Hey Highland, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. My name is Matt Pinson, and I am here today with our new co-host since we were so rudely abandoned by David Sessions going to be preached the word in San Antonio. But I'm joined today by our new co-host, Wait, Ann guess Reese. Who it is? No, oh, too you late. I said, said it. My, name. my bad. I was gonna. S- We're still working out <laughs> the timing. <laughs> I was gonna let you hear my voice and see who could guess. Lucky caller number seven. You wouldn't have known. No. Who guessed? No. Until well afterward. And me, Ann Reese, the new David. <laughs> We're excited to have Ann on board. And uh, if you don't know Anne, which is unlikely, honestly, if you like don't people. know Anne, uh, go back and listen to the conversation we had with Anne in uh, I don't know, several months ago, episode seven. Oh, we don't even know what the it's episode called a con- number. It's called a conversation <laughs> with Anne Reese, so it shouldn't be that hard to find. <laughs> Anne Reese slash New David. Um, so we're excited. We've been in the last few months talking about ways that we've seen God move in people's lives in a in kind of an undeniable way, and ways we've seen God work. And today we're going to hear another one of those stories. We are here today with Sarah Campbell, who also I bet many of you know. And Sarah's had a completely normal and not stressful at all last few years. And (laughs) she's going to just unpack a little bit of that for us today. When we were talking about who, who would be another good person to hear from, I thought of old Sarah Campbell. Because when the question is, where have you seen God in some undeniable ways, you have quite a story that has been unfolding, particularly in the last few years. So we're excited for you to share that with your Highland family. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so um, the last couple years have just been easygoing, you know, pandemic and cancer and, you know, life. All the things. All the things. Um, So as y'all mentioned, the last couple years haven't been that great but god's been faithful and walking with me through it so um when the pandemic was hitting um the united states the same week that it hit um i was diagnosed like the day that the schools shut down Mm. for good um and we started online learning um we did one full day of online learning and then at the end of the day um i got a call from my um radiologist and I was told that I had breast cancer and that it was in um, the breast and the lymph node and so um, I would be getting a call from an oncologist and I remember walking to our bedroom because that's where Kevin was officing at the time and telling him the news and it was like a punch in the gut Um, and then uh, walking through telling going across town to tell my folks um, outside because you know, COVID, um, and, and then, um, breaking the news to our boys that Mm -hmm. evening as well. How old were your boys at that time? Oh gosh, Ian, of course you asked me this question. (laughs) So it was 2003. So I think Jace was five. He had just turned five. So Jace was five. Cole was about to be seven and Zach was 10. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Mm Mm-hmm. I so. won't fact check. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, no. hey, Kevin. I think you meant 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2003 yeah. is what I said. <laughs> oh, said gosh. That. But we're in 2020. We are just, in 2020. Just a fact yeah. check. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Real-time fact check. <laughs> yeah. If y'all want to know how old my boys really were, you probably should ask Kevin. But right. that was three years Kevin, ago, so. just tune out this part. <laughs> um, my boys okay. were. But just so, yes. Yeah. Younger Ten, children. seven, mm-hmm. and five. Yes. So... 
uh, that afternoon, we um, or early evening, we knew we were going to be talking about it quite a bit. So we had to we decided to share it with our boys, and um, we told our oldest two, and talked about do you know what cancer is? And they really um, couldn't tell us. They just knew it was a sickness, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, my middle burst into tears. Um, my oldest held it together. Um, and then we talked about a little bit about, um, what that meant and other people in our lives that had had cancer and were still living. And, um, and then when my youngest got up from, I think he was resting or doing something. He wasn't around. I think he had a nap that afternoon. Um, I told him and then he, he started interacting with play. So Mm -hmm. he would fight cancer in the backyard or (laughs) um, do that sort of thing. So anyway, um, so our, our world was rocked um, on that day, March in March. And from there, um, lots of doctor visits and uh, what's next. Um, we found out that I was going to have to do some really in-depth chemotherapy um, that was going to be I don't know how many weeks I don't hmm. remember lots of weeks Not like a long time more than yeah. you wanted yes so I had four weeks of really hard chemo and then 12 weeks of not so hard chemo but it's still awful and then um, had a uh, double mastectomy followed by reconstruction and so two major surgeries and um, lots and lots of doctor visits and I saw God in so many ways um, in so many ways from the doctors that we interacted with the fact that my uh, radiologist the world was shutting down so he mm-hmm. didn't know if we would be able to have a biopsy or not because he was scared that that was going to be shut down and so he ordered my biopsy right away the fact that he went above and beyond because he saw something that didn't look right mm. catching it as quickly as he did so medical doctors that the lord placed in our path um was huge and then our faith community here at highland um rallied in an amazing way and um, during this time, because we were on lockdown and like most of the world was for, um, for a while, but we were on lockdown for nine months in order to keep me healthy. Mm. Um, so we saw my parents, Kevin's parents, um, up close and that was about it. All other friends we saw from a safe distance in order to keep me healthy. So it was a very lonely time. Mm-hmm. And I was really worried that I was going to, um, I was going to become lonely and depressed, and that we would feel like we were walking it by ourselves. And the Lord just kept showing up over and over again, mm-hmm. saying, "You're not alone. You're not alone in this. And I've got you, and I'm walking right with you." Mm-hmm. Um, little things from. Uh, my youngest was going to stepping stones before it came to a halt Uh, his classmates and teachers dropped off paper goods um, from sam's so we would have enough uh, we didn't have to do dishes to um, a huge parade that was done in our cul-de-sac right after i was diagnosed and um, people who i hadn't seen 
in a really long time showed up. People I had walked some really, really tough roads with in ministry um, showed up. And it was just as if God kept whispering, you got this, you're not alone, I'm right here walking with you. Even though it's going to look way different than if I would have had cancer, not in 2020, if I would have had cancer any other year when there was not a pandemic, where I would have been at church and um, in class and with our small group and seeing people face to face. And so, um, so yeah, there were lots of ways he showed up. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a time in particular that you have treasured in your heart since then of meeting God in a unique way that was just for you? So my husband's Kevin, and I would say... <clears throat> He was God in the flesh for me in lots of ways. Um, There wasn't an appointment that I went to that he didn't go with me with. But what was so odd is I have an extensive medical background where I grew up going to doctors, especially in my earlier years of life. And every time I went to the hospital or I had a procedure, like my parents were able to be in the room with me. Well, because of lockdown, he wasn't allowed to go with me. But Kevin stayed in his car or in his truck um, right outside the building um, waiting for me to be done. And probably one of the sweetest moments was when I would go through chemo. There were two rooms that you could get chemo in. And chemo lasted for me about three hours. It was a three-hour infusion. And the first time I went, I was in this really small room with um, like three or four other people, no windows. Um, and then uh, the next time I went, I was in this big open room where lots of people could be in. There weren't a lot because it was COVID, but um, but there were windows and I got to sit in front of um, the window. And I told, I was telling Kevin about it. I just love that I can see out. And then the next time I went and I had a window seat, Kevin brought his lawn chair <laughs> and sat. <clears throat> underneath a tree in a hundred degree weather because it was the middle of the summer um, and just sat and so he could be as as in closest proximity to me as he could yeah. be at the time yeah. I remember seeing that picture and yeah being struck by that yeah. commitment yeah and I I had a friend who not long after um, started going through she got diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time and was going through it. And she talked about her husband and I texted her husband and just said, you, you don't know, um, how she's going to see Jesus in a different way because of the way that you get to minister to her through this by just showing up being the presence of Jesus. And so I will always cherish that. Um, I will cherish, um, it was also really kind of cool, like, the people I had um, lost touch with or hadn't heard from in a really long time, how um, the Lord used those people, too. Um, mm-hmm. Meals, like, um, those frozen meals showed up at my doorstep, and it was from my high school basketball team. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. I hadn't seen my high school basketball team. I mean, I kept up with them on Facebook, but that were all over the place. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they rallied together on Facebook and bought me several meals, sent me flowers multiple times. Mm. Um, or I had a friend in college who we were super close um, freshman year. 
and she, uh, I had lost touch with her. I couldn't find her on Facebook. Every once in a while, I'd look and try to see if I could find her and mm-hmm. was never able to find her. And all of a sudden, during my cancer journey, I get a text from her and said, hey, this is Andrea, and I know we haven't talked in a really long time, but I got your number from so-and-so, and I heard your story, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And so reunions and reconciliation with long-lost friends or, you know, people – It was I went to a 5A basketball school – like a 5A school, right, and played basketball. I didn't realize – that um, I guess the way that I interacted with them and the relationship I had with them would carry out to mm. 20, 30 mm-hmm. years later, you know? So it's kind of cool to see that. That is cool. And, uh, I mean, not to <clears throat> spoil it for everybody, but, like, you're good now. I am. <laughs> She's here. She looks here. healthy. Looks good. I am. Um, it'll be a forever ongoing process. We sure. found out I have a rare gene mutation that um, that I'll have to always uh, keep up on because I, my body doesn't fight cancer like a normal person's. So I'll have to have active surveillance. But um, as of right now, there's no evidence of disease. Mm. Um, I'm on year three almost of that. Uh, October, it'll be year three. And uh, they like to s- not say you're in remission until about year five. So, okay. But my oncologist is very hopeful, and I don't mm. have to go back and see my surgeon or my um, reconstruction, reconstruction person anymore either. So, um, so yeah, those are mm-hmm. all looking good. And... But I, I, you know, yeah, it's just an ongoing yeah. journey. And remind me, I mean, this is a non-podcast question, really. But like, did did Laura Carroll? Did she have it before you yeah. or after you? Yes, she before had it you? before me. Laura Carroll was um, instrumental in um, those first few weeks as we were trying to navigate one what I was feeling and going through. Um, and to um, somebody Kevin could relate to that mm-hmm. being a husband who had walked yeah. his wife through it. Um, and uh, it was very much so um, an amazing way that she journeyed along with me, even mm-hmm. to this day, where we can talk about things that, you know, it's kind of like an insider's club, unfortunately, but... Um, you know, we can talk about those things, and um, she's always, she's been a huge encouragement to me. I will also say this. I'll share this story. Um, so Kevin has a cousin who uh, was a um, cancer surgeon, and we thought, well, he is. He was trained in um, a different type of cancer surgery, surgeon. Anyway, um he had moved back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we didn't know that he was um, doing breast cancer at the time. And so uh, we, you know, COVID threw a real kink in trying to figure out, hey, what's the best, best path to go? So you walk into, we walked into the oncologist thinking, hey, we're going to have a plan of action, and we're going to come out of here feeling at peace about that. And um, my oncologist was like, uh, this is what I'd recommend, chemotherapy, here's why, first. And then let's do surgery after. And we were like, well, 
what about doing what about doing the surgery first could we do the surgery first you know buy us a month or two and COVID will be gone before <laughs> we blow out my immune system right and he was like well that wouldn't be my preference um but that is an option he goes but i i need you to kind of make the decision in five minutes so he stepped yeah so he stepped out of the room and i was like what five minutes what i what and um <clears throat> Kevin and I decided, you know, we'll go with what he's recommended. Um, but we were still uneasy because we were like, you know, we had friends at the time who were having surgery first and then doing chemo. And so we didn't understand, like, you know, because mm -hmm. we thought COVID would be gone. Um, mm -hmm. But it was not. Um, so we went home and we were just not at peace about, we were like, I guess that's what we need to do. Um, and Kevin just looked at me and he goes, hey, you want me to call my cousin? And I said, yeah. And we called him and he was gracious. And all I really wanted to hear my yeah. oncologist say, which they can't say, I get that, was if it were my daughter or my mm -hmm. spouse, this is what I would do. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and that's what Kevin's cousin said. I mean, he was like, you need to start chemo right now. Mm -hmm. And you're healthy and you're young, so you have that going for you. He's like, and lots of prayer and, um, and then surgery after. Mm. And so, and he goes, and if it were my daughter, that's what I would recommend. And it was just as if God was like, here you go. Here's yeah. the affirmation. Here's your peace. Mm. And so, um, I brought my, <clears throat> my gratitude journal with me, um, mm. today to this, because I started that at the beginning of 2020, um, partly because uh, I had struggled off and on with anger and I heard, well, being grateful for something every day uh, can kind of help. And so I was like, I'll start that this year. So it's kind of a new year resolution at the beginning of 2020. And I didn't realize how much of a gift it would end up becoming. And I found <clears throat> the idea on Instagram, some lady, she would take Polaroid pictures that with the sticky backs and stick them in and then write just something from the day that she was grateful for. And so I started doing that. And then, um, but that day, Kevin's cousin's picture, like I didn't have a recent one of him, but I got on Facebook and printed that out. And, mm. and every day of 2020, I, I did that. And so I can go back and I can see the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Yeah. And I started reading it before I came here, and I was like, oh. yes. <laughs> I was almost started yes. bawling just going through the days um, because it was right at the beginning of everything, too. And um, reading back over, you know, how how weird our world was at that time, like going to HEB and uh, laughing because I was going up and down the aisles and there was no food on the aisles and Cole was with mm -hmm. me and I was like thanking the HEB workers cause they looked ragged. And I was like, remember this day, Cole, like remember this day because you know, COVID threw this whole, whole different level of yeah. weirdness mm -hmm. to my cancer mm -hmm. diagnosis. So. So I hear you saying a lot of experiencing God came through the kindness and presence of other people mm -hmm. was that typically how you'd experienced God before was that new and then how has that shaped you now post cancer um yes he had uh, shown up in those ways before um 
had shown up in those ways before. He had shown up in other ways as well, but um, mainly through his people is mm-hmm. where, even in the past, I've seen him work. So, um, so when I started full-time student ministry here at Highland um, is when we had a uh, vehicle accident on the way or home from Winterfest. And I remember having to um, do communion thoughts or I didn't, it wasn't preaching at that point, but I did some sort of talk on Sunday morning and had to do it in the first service and second service and had never done that before. And um, at that point was really struggling to see like, how is God working in this, you know? Um, And it was then I realized it was through his people. And the number of calls and the people that were reaching out and crying out to God on our behalf. And I didn't think it was, um, my brother was deployed at the time and was serving in Iraq. And uh, I hardly ever heard from him during those times, but he called like the day of the accident. And we had people even in Iraq that were praying um, for our church. So hundreds of thousands of people. So so I think that was a seed that was planted and how one way that God does work in our lives. Um, so I would say, yes, I've seen him work in that way and I've seen him work in lots of different ways. Um, but it has challenged me to, um, to try to embody that and be that for others. And so, um, and what I mean by that is when somebody, um, God places somebody on my heart. Um, I try to text them, just send them a text and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Even if I haven't talked to them in a really long time. And usually nine times out of 10, they text me back and we're like, man, I really needed that encouragement today. And I'm like, okay, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So trying to listen to the spirit and and then act on those things. So sending the text or um, celebrating people well when um, there are times to celebrate, and even in the small things. So um, I ran into a cancer survivor here at Highland um, within the last semester. I walked up to her, and she had posted that it was her five-year anniversary. And I walked up, and I said, today is a big day. Like, five years is a big deal. Um, And just celebrated her, you know? And so taking the time to celebrate people well. um, And then... (laughs) um, And then sitting with people in the pit. um, The Lord has taught me since the beginning of full-time ministry and with the accident that the ministry of presence just showing up even when you don't have the words to say. And... um, and just being with people when they're hurting. Um, and then I think there's a flip side that I learned during cancer was when uh, on my really, really hard days where I was either struggling physically or struggling um, mentally or emotionally, where I would text people that were near and dear to me and say, hey, I need, I need to remember, I need to remember why I'm doing this. I need to remember um, why I'm fighting. 
I need you to pray for me right now because it's I'm not in a good place. And so I think there's a, I was convicted that there's a part of asking, asking our community to step in that gap for us um, when we really, really need it and not being afraid to. And it doesn't have to be like blasted out on Facebook to everybody. Right. Hey, everybody be praying for me about yeah. all this. You know, you don't want to do that. But there's those few that you know in yeah. your life that have that connection with the mm-hmm. Lord that I, I'm quick to be like, hey. Yeah, sometimes it's more vulnerable to text one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Than a uh, big, yeah, Facebook post. Oh, yes, <laughs> true, true. Were there, and I already know the answer to this, but <laughs> were there any songs that carried you through? Leading uh, the witness. That time, yes, <laughs> objection, uh, that are especially powerful to you. Um, and just along with the theme of experiencing God, because we all experience yeah. God in so many different ways. And so just I love hearing the stories of the beauty of people, mm-hmm. evidence of God's grace. Um, what was the song that carried you through? Um, so, um, there are probably three. Uh, Waymaker was a big song at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And, um, the girls from our small group, uh, made me a blanket to take with me to chemo that had my boys and including Kevin, their pictures on it, our family pictures on it. And, um, and the words to that song as a reminder um, I raise a hallelujah uh, I remember singing that one in the shower after in the middle of going through chemo mm-hmm. and begging God and crying out to him um, and then the song of the ascent would probably be another one I mm-hmm. actually have a cancer playlist Oh. <laughs> on Spotify. No, I do. We're going to start playing it. Yeah. Did it. <laughs> Are there certain um, phrases that stick with you that when you hear them um, spark your memory and your imagination and your mem- remembrance of God's presence? Well, I know those songs do. Um, I don't know about a phrase. What was it about I'll Raise the Hallelujah? Yeah, I need to look up the words. Mm-hmm. Sing it, Anne. I raise a I told her we'd prepare her a little beforehand, but I didn't ask her to know the words of the song. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I think having that one or two words, they yeah. are, it's really grounding. And I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Mm-hmm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. Mm. I mean, and like, so cancer for some is a death sentence. So I, I stared death in its face quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, my mom had said after my third round of the really hard chemo, um, she she was like, I'm, I wasn't going to let the doctor give you another round after that fourth. Mm. She goes, because of where you were at physically. Um, and so 
you know, and going into a life-altering surgery, you know, and Mm -hmm. things can go wrong on the table or, you know, things can be found on the table. And so um, just coming to terms with your own mortality, um, having those conversations uh, with your boys because you walk with people. I was walking with people who were going through cancer journeys and um, this wasn't anybody I was close to, but it was a friend of a friend who um, who had three young, I think, had young kids at the time as well and thought she was gonna beat it, the type of cancer she had and ended up in the hospital and ended up not making it. And so it was this realization of that can totally happen. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, having the tough conversations in the swimming pool with my boys about, you know, you can die from cancer, right? And it'll be okay, and you'll be sad, and it's okay to be sad, and walking with them through the possibility. So it wasn't a, a shock if it were to happen. And, you know, Kevin and I talked a lot about I mean, he, he remembered sitting in the car outside of while I'm getting chemo and um, getting the text that one of our members here at Highland had passed away who had been fighting from yeah. cancer. And so you realize pretty quickly that God is faithful in both. Mm. Um, he's faithful in... Um, my story just as much as he is faithful in the stories where um, uh, people didn't survive the cancer diagnosis and so um, and went to be with him. So anyway, um, I think those words um, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I think I asked those songs or questions about the songs too, because you know we all have our spots here at Highland where we sit. So I'm back right corner, guys. <laughs> you need to find me. Uh, but Sarah's just a few rows in front of me, and maybe I guess it was last summer. I was thinking through like how, you know, you, you start, I started looking around and watching people sing and every now and then there's a song and you'll watch somebody physically change while they're singing because it means something, but you don't know really what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there's a story there or some, they're thinking of a time. And so I remember watching you sing it might have been Waymaker. It might have mm-hmm. uh, might have been that song. Um, and going to Sarah and saying, I need to go get coffee with you because I, it was one of those kind of slump, slumpy times where I thought, I want to know what it means to live. And I want to know what it means to enjoy being a part of church family. And I feel like I'm kind of <laughs> wondering what I'm doing. Um <laughs> And so Sarah and I have been good friends for a long time, but I, that was one of my favorite conversations. We went and got coffee and 
to just ask, like, what makes you want to live? What makes, because I knew how hard, I mean, we can all rejoice now because we're in a different space, but we saw it very clearly how uh, difficult and life-changing that time was. And nothing is the same after that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was also witness to God's faithfulness during that time to your family. Um, so I think that's why I wanted you to share your story because I can see that um, in you. And especially during those times of praise, it's as if you're on your own and there's just some language between you and God that um, we can't hear, um, but we know is real. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and you've got a beautiful family. And, um, and they're I, funny. They are, they are <laughs> funny. But I, I know there was a time where that was a worry for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that uh, and tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So, um, so as I said earlier, um, I have had a long medical history. Uh, I like to say God made me very unique. I've had multiple doctors who have, when they've seen x-rays or MRIs are like, I've never seen that before. (laughs) And I go, gosh, here we go again. One Um, only Sarah Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so Going into uh, marriage, uh, I knew from high school because of um, I'd seen a back specialist for other issues, and he basically was concerned that my back would not be able to withstand the weight of carrying um, a child. And so I knew going into marriage that I might not be able to um, have biological children. And so we knew going into um marriage that adoption was always we had talked about it it was always a matter of um not if for us but a matter of when and so uh we tried to get pregnant at one point and um we found out i had some other deformalities and so we had those corrected and um after we had them corrected we uh, were trying and it wasn't happening and so it was like it's time to go see a specialist and kevin was like well we said we wanted to adopt, so let's just go that route. And so we were like, okay. So we were all in. Um, and God did a beautiful thing of weaving my boys' stories together. Um, one of the very few times where I can say I've seen God working um, in the moment and not in hindsight was the moment that we met my oldest birth mom for the first time. Um, we met her and her mom. And there were uh, things in the conversation that could not have been coincidental. Little things from, hey, um, can you <laughs> can you do this family tradition? And I'm like, yes, we're all in. Um, and they're like, we, we give Christmas ornaments every year. And I was like, no way. My mom and my grandma did that. Um, to... W- what do you want the nursery to be? And, you know, Christian Homes was really great about educating the adoptive parents to not um, not plan that far in advance. Mm. But, of course, I was excited, so I was, like, looking at different things. And um, I had uh, found some uh, monkey 
stuff at Pottery Barn that I really liked. And um, they're like, hey, we found, we're thinking you should do something with monkeys because we already call him Little Monkey. And I was like, what? And so little things like that to um, to big things. And it was this that was kind of the icing on the cake was I looked at Kevin and I was like, what? Um, was they originally um, had named, uh, they were going to name Zachary, Zachary Michael. And Michael was after um, uh, her, her mom, the birth mom's mom's brother who died at a young age. And my mom had a brother named Michael who died when I was a year old. Mm. And I was like, holy cow. Like, I just kept looking at Kevin like, what in the world? And so we left that meeting and we were just both like, we will um, we will be sad if they decide not to proceed with the adoption. But um, they did and we did. And it, it has mm. been a beautiful open adoption where we still have relationship with birth family um and then uh the lord uh, brought us cole a couple of years later and he has uh he's adopted as well and it, his birth story is uh very different but god's fingerprints were all over it as well and i didn't know how much it was all over it until um <laughs> I got pregnant with Jace, and I laughed because uh, we did not think that was in the cards for us. Um, and uh, Jace was born uh, at 33 and a half weeks. And I almost died, and it, it was the whole thing. But it's fine. <laughs> it's happens? fine. I'm not it's the whole hey, thing. I mean, it's the whole thing. Like I mean, almost died again. Yeah. No, that was before the cancer. Yeah. Um, it was a whole thing, but... Uh, Very scary. But that's when I saw, because Cole, our second, was born in this exact same hospital that Jace was born in uh, at Regional. And when they pulled me into the room where I stayed before and after giving birth, they uh, it was the same exact room that his birth mom was in. And I was like, okay, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? And, um, and it was just, it was... It was beautiful, and by the time I was well enough to go see him for the first time, which was like 36 hours after he had been born, um, they wheeled me into the same, um, the same NICU that Cole had been in for a few days. Um, it was the same doctors Cole had, uh, and they remembered us. And I remember going in thinking, I don't know how. Um, Cole's birth mom did what she did and it became this whole new level of gratitude and she and Zach's birth moms became my heroes in more ways in that day than I can ever describe Mm -hmm. and I held Jace for the first time and Kevin got video of it and Jace was born exactly two days after Zach was and we get back to the room, and he goes, Kevin goes, do you realize that you held your firstborn son and your third son on the exact same day for the first time? Mm-hmm. Because we didn't get to hold Zach till the day that, um, the same day that I got to hold Jace. Mm-hmm. And so it was, the Lord just 
wove this beautiful tapestry together mm. and knit our family together in a really beautiful way that we're very, very thankful for. So. Thank you for sharing yeah. your stories you. with us today. Um, before Anne was on board, David and I would say all the time that like, we talk a lot about evangelism and, uh, and there's, you know, one way to do that is the way we all grew up with where we, and another way is to tell the story of how God is working in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful stories that you told us today. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that people will listen and hear things they need to hear in them. Um, and do you think you and I will be any better at landing the plane? Yeah, no, word because no. I'm out of words. Like, and we're still in the how air. How do you land this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I did have one idea. Okay. So, first of all, thank you so much for uh, being our special guest on this, my first, my inaugural co-hosting um, episode. But also, just as we close, is there anything that you'd want to share with your Highland family? You're a shepherd here oh, for all right. of us now, and we're so very thankful. Um, I know she would love to go get coffee with just about anybody and tell her <laughs> yes. about what life in Jesus looks like, um, the ups and downs and all arounds. That was good. <laughs> Maybe I'm going <laughs> to... Next stop. Wait. Televangelism. Start rhyming. Yeah. Anyway, but is there... Um, anything you want to leave with us um, as we close? Yeah, I I just want to encourage you to um, continue to do Highland what you do well. And um, that is how you love others. And um, I got to witness it for, for firsthand for nine months in an unbelievable way. Um, so continue to do that. I would also say... Um, don't be afraid to, when you feel the the spirits nudging, to send the text, make the call, send the flowers, send the gift to say that I'm thinking about you. Congrats on the new baby. Um, and uh, also be willing to step in the gap for those that you see are struggling, um, whether that's watching them in church and realizing that there's not something you can sense that some things might not be going well in their lives and um, offering up a prayer on their behalf, just not knowing or um, stepping the gap and showing up um, mm -hmm. for people, uh, making a meal and dropping it off. Um, and then don't be afraid to um, ask for help. And so when you're in the trenches, um, send the text and say hey I really need the prayer or I need some encouragement right now or I need I need to remember hmm. remind me of um, what this life is all about thank you Sarah very much yes blessings landed <laughs> <laughs>